You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 86 of this wonderful podcast designed just for you, Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a really tricky subject, and that is how to work effectively with teams of teachers. So to help me talk about this really important idea, I have invited my guests from the Instructional Coaching Corner, and I cannot wait for them to introduce themselves to you today. So I want to welcome Greg to our podcast today. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so glad that you're here today. I think that it's going to be really helpful to people because this is a really difficult topic that a lot of coaches are not actually taught how to do. Um, We're asked to work with teams and facilitate teams, but then we're not really given tools to do that most of the time. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. I I am as well. We we are in the midst of a, a series on teamwork. So I'm excited to share a little bit about what we've been talking about as well. That's perfect. Yes, you're the, you're the expert right now. It's great. So can you introduce yourself to I'm our listeners? I'm air quoting that. <laughs> the expert. <laughs> in air quotes. We'll take it. We'll take an air quotes expert. <laughs> I think we're all air quote experts right now <laughs> in navigating yeah. uh, new waters. <laughs> so I, I'm Greg Detmeyer. I'm, I'm half of the Instructional Coaching Corner podcast team, or as we say, the ICC podcast. Um, I do this little podcast with Jenny Hillebrand, and uh, we're both actually instructional coaches in Iowa, and we've been doing this for the last seven years. So about four years ago, we started a podcast simply because we had all these things that we were learning and wanted to share out, as well as just random leadership thoughts that we wanted to share out and give ourselves a platform to kind of give back to education a little bit. And then um, we simply talk anything education related. And I mean, mindset, positivity, teams, leadership, teaching strategies. One of Jenny's favorites was we did a, a uh, 22 episode series on guided reading, which was oh, that's great. a haul, but it was really, really good too. Mm-hmm. So anything education, we will, we will either tackle from our own experience or do whatever research we need to, to, uh, provide that content to our listeners. That's awesome. It's a great source for lots of different kinds of content. So on your podcast, the Instructional Coaching Corner, you shared a series and you talked a little bit about that, about working with teams. So where did the idea for that topic come from? Yeah, so we're about halfway through that series. I think as we record here in December, we've had five or six episodes on that and we'll probably end up having 10 or so. Mm -hmm. But as Todd Whitaker said, like it's people, not programs that make the biggest difference in the classroom. And the teacher is the number one change maker in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think either tied with or slightly behind that is the effectiveness of our organization and our teams as Mm -hmm. far as impact on students in the end. So that being on my mind, and then I stumbled across a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, mm-hmm. who kind of writes more for the business world, but I took that and my principal and I read that together and had just a lot of conversation on how we were already doing some of these things, and then also what things we can kind of add to our practices. And after a little while, I was like, this is something that I think we can put together as a, a series for our podcast. I love that topic. Um, and I think that's, I, I also think it's really great to learn from other um, industries <laughs> because sometimes in education, we can get in kind of a bubble, but when it comes to working with people, people have to work with people no matter what the work is that they do. And so I, I do like to learn from, from other, um, other fields. Yeah. I mean, organizational health is organizational health. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're running a church, a fortune 500 company or mm-hmm. a school, like, culture is what's going to drive 
that success. So. Yes, that's exactly right. So if we're thinking about a new coach or a coach who's new to working with teams or, you know, maybe they've, they've been on their campus, but they've never really had to facilitate team meetings before. Um, what are some really essential things that that coach needs to do in order to establish a positive relationship with teams of teachers? And, you know, another question to that is, you know, do you recommend norms? Do you think that that can work towards establishing that positive team relationship? Um, or what are some of the other things that you recommend? Yeah, I'm going to actually rattle off here, like the five dysfunctions that Lynch okay. only talks about. Yeah. Because I feel like this is kind of the basis of what coaches can be doing within those team settings. And when I think of a team, I think if I'm as a coach, there are times I'm working with one other person. I consider that a team. Mm -hmm. There are times I'm working with a group of three or four teachers were a team there. Mm -hmm. And, and there's time we're working on things as a building and in that sense we're a team. So when I use the word team, I really think like anytime I'm working with someone outside of myself, like essentially that is a team. And I think these next five things that I talk about here can be very helpful to helping us function well as a team. Okay, so, awesome. so the first one is simply overcoming the lack of trust. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, when we're on a team, we struggle to trust each other. And, and we have this reverse thought that once we trust each other, then it's okay for me to be vulnerable within my team. Mm -hmm. and, and that's actually the exact opposite of how it works. Because when we're vulnerable with each other, that's going to drive and lead to trust. Okay. So I think one of the big things we can do is simply build that trust. And there, there are simple little ways to do that. Um, one of the, the easy ones to throw out there is just like asking little questions at the beginning of meetings. And, and maybe like we always start with a win. And, and that's simply sharing like what's a positive that's happening in your life right now. That could be, hey, my kid just got accepted to this college and this is something we've been working on for years to, hey, I had bacon this morning and I love bacon <laughs> and that was really awesome. So, so building that trust. The next one is, and this is something I have to push myself toward, and I think this is the, the most important of all five, is the fear of conflict as far as healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. So when things on a team aren't going a certain way, a lot of times we want to preserve the relationship we have with the other people on those teams so we don't have conversations that maybe we should. Mm -hmm. And what we find out is the issue no longer becomes the issue. So like we're not, let's say it's we're collaborating on how to score a test. And I don't say something that I want to say at the meeting. Now, all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, so-and-so came up with this idea. They just, they don't know what they're talking about. I don't know why they would think this. It now became a character issue. We're having conflict between people instead of saying it at that moment where now the conflict's just on, on this issue, how we're going to grade this test. Mm -hmm. Does that make point. sense? Yeah, it does. That makes a lot of sense. I've seen that happen. And I, I think, I mean, it's happened to each of us that we do that. We take a specific instructional or content issue, and then we use that to reflect something about that person instead of addressing the issue with the, the content or the, um, the instruction or whatever it is that we're talking about. We don't address it. So then we, we like hold on to it. And then it, it becomes like this, this angry little thing that you hold on to about this other person. Yep. And, and the example I used in our, our episode, we did an episode on each one of these, is we recently got a new puppy and mm -hmm. I was against the new puppy. <laughs> and if my wife just would have ended it there, we wouldn't have gotten a new dog. Mm -hmm. She would have been mad at me because we didn't have the conversation about this. I just said no. Mm -hmm. And I would have been upset with her because she's obviously being um, upset with me. So she was brave enough to say, like, I'm going to have healthy conflict where I'm going to I'm going to push back a little bit here, Greg. And I'm going to show you why I think this is a good idea. And eventually I came to her side. Mm -hmm. But if she would have never had the will to say, like, let's have this conflict around this issue we would have been having conflict around each other as people and character traits. Mm -hmm. yes. She would have been thinking, you're selfish, you're cheap. Mm -hmm. I would have been thinking, 
why are you being so snarky? Mm -hmm. And, um, but we had that conflict. So we got to a place where we were both understanding of here's the decision we made as a, as a couple. Mm -hmm. And then the next piece is avoiding the, the lack of accountability. Um, And this is simply like, if someone says they're going to do something, Mm-hmm. It's okay to hold them accountable to that. Yes. And, and there are ways that we'll talk about later. I, I think that we can do that in a way that's not, hey, you said you were going to have this done. Why isn't this done? What's, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And the next one, so this would be four out of five, is lack of commitment. And this comes down to getting everyone on board. And a big one there is hearing all voices. So as you're working together, if you're coming up with a solution, sometimes people sit there quietly. And I, right. I'm one of those people. I naturally at a big meeting will sit there quietly and kind of sit back where it's okay to say to someone like myself, Greg, I want to hear what your thoughts are here. Mm-hmm. Because if I walk away without sharing my thoughts, it's going to be hard for me to commit to whatever the decision was that was made at that meeting. Mm-hmm. So, so really hammering down on clarity and direction there. And, and then the last one is simply lack of focus. Do we have a goal? Mm-hmm. So I think back to like Jim Knight's coaching model, it's all based on, do we have that goal? How are we measuring this goal? How are we going to know that we're winning? Mm-hmm. So I think if we take those five dysfunctions, lack of trust, lack of conflict, lack of accountability, lack of commitment, and a lack of focus that we find if we tackle these five things, we're going to make very effective teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's anything like mind-blowing there. Mm-hmm. There's no novelty there. But how common is that? How common is all that? Yeah. Yeah, approaching, like really being thoughtful about how we approach those things can make a huge impact because sometimes we just kind of start working with teens or we start working with people and we don't really have a plan or a thought or an approach about like, how are we going to make sure that we're setting a good solid framework for this work together? Yeah, and I'm actually in a place right now where after New Year's here, I have a meeting schedule where it's like, we we just dove in. And Mm -hmm. after stepping back, I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know what our focus is here. I don't know what our goal is. I don't know how I'm going to measure if what we're working on is effective. Like Mm -hmm. I have to go back and we have to have that conversation. So we're not going through this with this lack of focus Mm -hmm. where we're looking at each other and like, I think things are working, but I don't know. I'm having fun. You're having fun. But like, is what we do is what we're doing mattering. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's such a, that's a really good point. Um, and it can also happen because, like you said, you just dive in because of the nature of the work. It's ongoing, it's constant, it's demanding. And so sometimes you just, you know, get started and, and, um, and having that plan, having that goal, um, that framework is going to be really supportive. And maybe that's kind of my next question is about what's the biggest mistake coaches can make when they're facilitating teams of teachers. And maybe that's one possible answer is just starting without a plan or a goal. Um, but do you have another uh, another idea on that? Yeah, I think it's, it comes back to, I mentioned a little earlier, like the idea that I can't trust this person or I, we can't be real with each other mm-hmm. until we trust each other. And I can't be vulnerable with you until I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I think as a coach, if I'm working with another teacher or a group of teachers and they don't trust me, it's going to be really hard to have those coaching conversations because there's going to be a guard up. Mm-hmm. But if we can start at a place of being vulnerable and, and, and that starts with me as, as a team facilitator, mm-hmm. we're going to build that trust, which is then going to be the bedrock of it being okay to say, Hey, I don't think what we're doing is working. What do we need to change? What do we need to adapt? Or you observe this. What do you, what do you think of what I said or the questions I asked? We're not going to get there if we don't trust each other. The things that coaches can do to help facilitate teams is is just to model that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Because if we're vulnerable with our, the people we're working with, they're going to show that same back. Eventually we're going to build that trust. And once we have that trust, we can 
have deeper conversations. So don't be afraid of like not knowing the answers. I say all the time, like, I don't know, but I will find out. Or, mm -hmm. you know, right now I'm working on writing with a lot of different people and I by no means am the writing expert, but I, I will partner with anyone who wants to and we'll figure it out together. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes a little bit for me to be vulnerable and say like, I'm not gonna have every single answer. And you don't want me to throw an answer out every time anyways, because I don't want, it could be wrong or I could just be like, you don't just want to make something up just to give them an answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to partner up and, and work through things together. And, th and then the other one is just that, again, that fear of healthy conflict. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of building a consensus is, is a really dangerous thing. I think I, one year we did an assessment wall in a certain grade where we were looking at data in a certain way. And in order to get everyone on board, I had to concede some things that would have made our wall much more powerful than it was. And in the end of the day, it really lost its purpose because instead of pushing people and pushing the idea and having the debate around the ideas, I played the role of a politician, just like whatever we can do, whatever I have to give so that we can right. do this. And in the end of the day, it just didn't work. Because yeah. I, I wasn't willing to have that healthy conflict around that idea. That's a really good point. And that's a hard, hard thing to do sometimes because, you know, you don't have the authority of an administrator to say, well, this is the plan. This is what we're doing, you know, and that's not our role at all. Um, but sometimes we can see that we do need to push in order to make things purposeful and meaningful. And um, so finding that balance there is very difficult, but we do have to embrace that sometimes there is going to be some conflict and it's not that we're just going to arbitrarily push things onto people, you know, but sometimes there's a single holdout or an individual who is not on board and they're, you know, without addressing that, then we can lose the meaning of what we're doing. Yep. And I certainly think there's healthy ways to have mm -hmm. conflict where it's not like calling someone out on the carpet. I know one of the things I've used in the past is, so if someone's like on their phone mm -hmm. afterwards, like just going to them and talking like as a concerned friend or co mm -hmm. colleague, like, Hey, I noticed you were on your phone a lot today. Is everything okay? Mm -hmm. and, and it's not like, Hey, why are you on your phone the whole time? Mm -hmm. It's, I care about you. And like, are you waiting for a call or something? Because if so, like th that's totally okay. But at the same time, like the reverse side of that is if you're just scrolling through Facebook now, now it's like, Hey, you're, you're noticed. Right. So without like hitting someone over the head with a pan and being like, Hey, get off, mm -hmm. quit being on your phone. It's still saying like, I acknowledge that you're on your phone, mm -hmm. but I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. Of yes. Maybe you're waiting for a call or maybe you got a parent who's sick or a kid who's sick or something, which is totally cool. Yeah. Without assuming negative intent, you're, you're giving, you know, them an opportunity to, to, you know, say, well, this is what's going on or I'm having this trouble. Um, and, but because you are pointing it out, it's like, oh, I can't, I, I can't uh, keep, if, if there's no real reason for it, it's like, oh, I can't keep demonstrating this behavior because it is, it is obvious. I'm not being as sneaky as I thought. Correct. It's like, <laughs> Sometimes it's noticed. Yes. It's observed. Other people can see me. <laughs> So this, and this may already, you might have already addressed some of this, but what are some of the more common challenges that coaches struggle with in working with teams? You talked about, um, you know, avoidance of conflict and things like that, but do you have any other ideas about really common challenges? Yeah, there's some, I mean, obviously like team dynamics, like mm -hmm. we all, I mean, we're all different people. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think is crucial is simply meeting people where they are. Uh, so I had a, a great uh, team I was working with and we would do different collaborative conversations each week and the, the people on the team were in all these different places. Mm -hmm. And in order for one of the members of the team to be successful, I would meet with her prior and let her know like, here's, here's the questions or here's what we're going to be talking about. And then we would kind of weed out her responses before we even came to the meeting. Because in the moment, on the spot, in front of all the other people, like she, she couldn't come up with her answers or the solutions or things she was looking for. Mm. So being willing to meet people where they are and knowing that you're going to have 
teachers in all different places of comfort and like the the whole type a type b personalities where some like just jump in there and share no matter what mm-hmm. and others who it's like well, i don't want to sound like i don't know what i'm talking about or right. i don't want to sound like i don't have a good grasp on my kids where you do it's just we need to kind of think through that and work through that together um another big challenge that i've seen like in the coach role when we're facilitating team meetings is again being seen as the expert mm-hmm. a lot of times people will just naturally wait for you to tell like here's the direction we need to go yes and not just allowing yourself to do that but to have the conversation even if it's like where you end up where i could have said we were going to go but you're not going to get people to commit if you just say, well, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Because if we say we're going to do this and it doesn't work, it's really easy for the team to be like, well, Greg's an idiot. He has no, no (laughs) idea what he's talking about anyways. Why would he tell us to do that? Mm -hmm. Where if it was a team decision, you know, we, we win and we lose together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I feel like I know that I was introduced and placed in the position of being the expert Uh, whenever I started as an instructional coach. And that was a hard thing for me to overcome because people did expect, well, just tell me what to do then. If you're the expert, tell me what to do. And they didn't know me. I was new to the school and it was a really big transition already. And then getting beyond that uh, label was a real challenge. And I, you know, I, I mean, I tried saying things like, well, we can figure this out together. And, but my part of the problem also is my personality is that I'm a problem solver. And so I'm like, well, we could try this. Why don't we try that? And so I have to really work on holding that back. That's a huge challenge that I have in my own self. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we, we all have a little bit in us of that. And it's mm-hmm. certainly okay at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking of this year, 2020, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've asked, answered so many quick questions and just given the answer on like our virtual learning mm-hmm. or how to set a zoom up for a class. It's just like, right. let me come just do this for you. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't like a coaching cycle. It's just, right. Hey, I'm tech savvy. Let me serve you in this yes. way. I'm totally okay with that. But if it's someone coming to me and saying, Hey, I really feel like my questions aren't engaging students. I don't just want to throw out there. Well, try this thinking prompt. I want to right. have that conversation with them. And that's where I think as coaches, like, don't think of yourself as an expert in content, but if anything, an expert in conversation or questioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. So, and then the final thing I think too is like just accepting that things take time. Mm-hmm. I, this has been, I'm in my sixth year at my current building and there's still times it's just like there's stuff that's a struggle when, when working with groups of groups of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Sometimes we're, we're, the longer we're, you're there, we're in a lot better place, but mm-hmm. there's still work to be done. Yeah. And a lot of that's on me. I mean, there's things that I can refine within myself that make me a better team player as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned team dynamics, and I am always fascinated by the way groups work together um, because so many times there are things that are going on that are impacting the way that teams are working together, but they're, they're happening behind the scenes and we don't know them. We don't know the backstory of how Ms. So-and-so and Ms. So-and-so had this happen years ago and how they've still been at each other's throats for years. And I mean, I'm picturing an actual, <laughs> I've, I've seen these situations play out. Um, and sometimes they're, they're pretty hairy and they really impact the work that these teams are doing together. So what can a coach do when there's something that's impacting the team's work, but they're not really sure what's going on. There's just like this, weird tension or this negativity, you know, that's, that's happening whenever the team works together. One of the things, ah, let me start that over. One of the things (laughs) that I think we can do is kind of bring it back to our why. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that I try to do anytime we're starting off a meeting or a conversation is kind of bring it back to like, what's our purpose here? And that comes back to like our focus, like having that goal. Mm -hmm. And as a school, we laid out this year, um, th- this is something my principal and I tie everything we do to is our, our goal for the year is to support, a, to build a healthy, safe and loving environment where the social, emotional and education needs of all students and staff can be met. So we'll, we, we will say this at the beginning of a meeting, like, here's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. 
the purpose of this meeting is to help achieve this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I find myself saying a lot is simply like the kids have to win. Mm -hmm. In the end of the day, everything we do is set up so the kids win. And that means if I have a little dispute with someone down the hall, the kids winning is more important than me winning out on some grudge. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing novel about that idea, but it's having like the courage to address that we can't let our little disagreements or differences affect what we're trying to achieve as a team. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big things is stating your purpose, coming back to that why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Addressing it. And that again, that I keep coming back to like that's where that healthy conflict comes in. Yeah. And it's awkward as all get out. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, we my principal and I have both been challenging ourselves to engage in this. And if nothing else, we're so aware of times where it's like, oh, I should have said this, or I should have did this mm-hmm. or that. But then there's also those times where it's like a year ago I would not have had that conversation. I would have let that go. And I'm proud right. that I did it. So it's like, you're not going to win all the time, but can you find those moments where you build that in there, where for the things you're willing to stake a flag on the hill and say, like, this is important, are you willing to have the conflict around that? And, and one of those big ones for us is the kids have to win. Mm-hmm. And we can't let adult um, disagreements or behavior or grudges get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you said courage. It takes courage because it does take a lot of courage to say something whenever you see something going on and some of the other teachers are like looking at each other and or they don't want to make eye contact with you or they, you know, and, and you can see this, this little storm brewing and it's like, what, what is going on right now? Um, it takes a lot of courage because you don't know what you're walking into. And I think addressing it too, like mm-hmm. we've, we've had meetings this year where obviously it, it's it's a different year and people were, I guess not just people, like we're all, our, our senses are all heightened where where there's so much new things. And we've had times where it's like, we've addressed it in the meeting. Like, is everything okay? Like you, you can feel that fog hanging over the meeting and Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly okay with If there's something going on that's going to impact the productiveness of our meeting let's either postpone our meeting mm-hmm. or let's figure it out before we start mm-hmm. instead of just brushing things under the carpet right yep i totally agree um but it, it can take to take that first step can be stressful i think it can be helpful to have some like general questions that you can ask that are like a little tool in your toolbox. So whenever you are approached with that situation, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. You know, Just being prepared can be really helpful because whenever you're just like, you're you're scrambling going, oh my gosh, how am I going to respond to this? But if you know, you're going to say, so what's going on? I'm noticing that we're, we're not feeling ourselves today. You know, does anybody want to let me know what's going on? Something happened I need to know about, is everything okay? Um, And, and sometimes that can be a, um, a way to kind of get the conversation started without being too scared of what you're going to hear. Yeah. I mean, one that I've used quite a bit is just simply asking like, when you feel that vibe, is, is there mm-hmm. something more important we need to be talking about right now? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And we already have the time set up. So if there is like, let's tackle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, I love that because yeah, there's some, there are things that are just also, you know, responses, not necessarily that they're personality issues or anything like that. It's just the response that teachers are having to so many expectations. And sometimes they've got a huge issue they have to figure out because they've just been dumped on (laughs) or told, you know, a million things they have to do. And they're worried about that. So if that's something more um, imminent that they have to deal with, it might get in the way of whatever work you're trying to accomplish anyway. Yeah. I mean, a perfect example, I was meeting with a teacher and could tell something was off mm-hmm. and it ended up that her hours and hours of planning her virtual lessons were dumped into the system and then they didn't save oh so this happened minutes before i came uh. in to meet on uh t- i don't know what like 
in Iowa, we have teacher, um, teacher professional learning plans. It's a goal we mm -hmm. have for the year. We're to meeting the check in and touch base on that. Mm -hmm. At that moment, that was not the most important thing that she wanted to take care of at that time. Right. And I needed to be okay with saying like, yep, this can take the back burner. We can figure this mm -hmm. out later. Right now, this has a hard deadline mm -hmm. where kids are going to be logging in tomorrow and not seeing any content. Let's fix this now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just reality. And I think that's a big part of working with anybody and working with teams is just being real and, and, and honest. And, you know, you talk about being vulnerable and, and part of that is just being, you know, I, like, I don't know how else to say it, but be real, be a real person instead of um, a robot person who is like, well, this is what we're supposed to do. And this is what we need to get done. And, you know, that's just not that no one respects that because it doesn't reflect the reality they're living in. Yep. And, and as educators, we want to be able to, we want to be able to carry that burden. We do it for our kids. We want to be able to like be seen as professional, but like, mm -hmm. it's okay to be messy. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's important for facilitators of teams to give opportunities for people to have like an on-ramp to, mm -hmm. I need to talk about this. I can't talk about what we originally were going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And being responsive to that. I love that. So another idea that I'm very interested in is common language when it comes to um, to working with teachers and planning and, and curriculum. So how can we support alignment or collaborative planning when teachers are struggling because they don't have a common language? And I, I mean, to me, that's, it was very clear after a while that that was what was going on on my campus. They'd never really planned together or worked together. And so they didn't have the tools to communicate about certain practices or about certain frameworks. Um, they just didn't have the vocabulary that they were all sharing. So what, what do you think uh, that, that coaches can support, do to support that? Well, I, th I think a big, the starting point is going to be able to like get these people together in the same room and <laughs> yeah. start the conversation. Mm -hmm. And if they're okay with that and, and on board with that, that's a huge win within itself. Mm -hmm. um, there might need to be some relationship building and so forth that goes into that ahead of time to get everyone on the same page there. But once you're there, I think one of the, like, as a coach, I will find myself asking, I call them dumb questions. And it's just like clarifying where yes. the veteran teacher may be throwing out terminology that the new teacher is doing, but they don't know it by that name. Right. And it's like, I have no problem being seen as a person asking a stupid question right now. So I'm going to throw it out there. That helps mm -hmm. that other teacher a lot. But again, creating an environment around the table where people are comfortable saying like, can we stop a minute? I don't really understand what it is you're saying mm -hmm. or how you're, I don't understand how you go about doing that. Can you help me out here? Mm -hmm. And again, like nothing new about that idea, but I feel it's extremely uncommon. Yeah, it is. It is. I can well, feel like because I, I, I've seen it happen where teachers are starting to work together who have not worked together before and immediately people who do not have the language that someone else is using, um, they feel defensive about it. And so they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what that is. Is that this? Is that that? I don't know what that is. And there, so it's it, there, the environment has, has not been created in which people can ask questions sincerely, you know, without feeling like that makes them, you know, ignorant or something. Yeah, and I think too, it was like for the facilitator that like increasing the clarity mm -hmm. as far as decisions that are made always like coming back and repeating like, so here's what we came up with that we're going to do moving yes. forward. Here's who's going to take on these tasks. Mm -hmm. And we're going to teach X, Y, and Z lessons this week. And here's how we're going about this, doing that, correct? And just being that person to kind of like throw the stuff back out there for everyone to yes. hear yet again. Yeah, kind of paraphrase, summarize at certain points, um, clarify and say, okay, but did, what is that going to look like? You know, things like yep. that to make sure that everybody's on the same page when it comes to those kinds of points. And, really and again, like being okay, like you were kind of giving the example of someone sitting there and be like, can we just stop? I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. I would rather have that person do that than sit there quietly. Yes. Cause at yeah, least because that's, know. Getting, that's getting to the point where that's kind of healthy conflict right there where it's like, I don't understand what we're doing. Like for my purposes, we, we need to clarify this. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's just in developing the language that we use when we work with a team and then also making it okay to stop and clarify and check in. And the more you know your teams, the more you know, the better you know how frequent you might have to do that and how, how frequently and how, um, how much clarification they're going to need. And after a while, teams start to gel and you need to maybe do less. Um, but really being aware and, no, and observant is, is so important when you're facilitating those kinds of meetings, especially at the beginning. Yeah, and I think too, like get, get together more often, how, get, getting together more often mm -hmm. helps as well. One of the mm -hmm. things I strive for, if I'm in a, like a heavy coaching cycle with people and, and working with these groups, I try to set up like, here's our weekly meeting. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's at least going to be once a week and we'll have an agenda. I call them our tactical meetings where it's like, we're just planning out what we're doing, but having that repetition and hearing the language is going to help a lot when it's like, I don't know exactly what you're talking about or she's talking about where the more reps we have of this together, the more common our language will become. Yes, absolutely. So uh, one other thing I want to ask about is data talks, because that is something that a lot of coaches are asked to do. Um, and it is a good thing to do. Well, I think, <laughs> depending on how it's done, of course. And data talks can be really off-putting. And um, teachers have often had really bad experiences with those facilitating these talks. Like they've, you know, they've been used as a gotcha or they've been used as a, um, a way to humiliate people or to point out what they're not doing. Um, so do you conduct data talks? You mentioned the data wall, so I'm thinking you probably do. And if you do, how do you create the environment in which teachers can really learn from each other and reflect from each other around that data? Yeah, so most of our data conversations revolve around our assessment wall, which mm -hmm. we, we utilize pre-K through fifth grade, and we take, we, we do benchmark assessments three times a year, and each grade has at least three assessments that triangulate into a data point that places a student on the wall. Mm -hmm. That could be a whole podcast within itself. Yeah, that's a lot. I know that they always are. <laughs> but essentially, that's giving that data purpose then. Mm -hmm. So like, as you're administering your benchmarks or your state test, it's like, now you know what you're going to be doing with it and how we're going to discuss it. And then every month we come back to that data and, mm -hmm. and we usually, we create what we call focus groups. So each teacher would have a group of, you know, anywhere between one and four kids who they're providing additional intervention to. And then monthly we get everyone back around the table myself, our principal, anyone who works with that student, um, our local area, Education Association, our AEA is present here as well because if a kid has to move to entitlement, like we try to get everyone who needs to be talking about these kids there. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's been really eat, like it's what's worked is like keeping it extremely simple then mm -hmm. where we'll pull up the kids, like here's your focus group, here's their progress monitoring data. Which kids are you concerned about? which ones aren't you? And it's a brief conversation about some, hey, they're doing great. You can see it on the graph. Here's what I'm seeing in the class. I don't need to change anything up here. Let's, let's keep slugging, slugging this out. Mm -hmm. And then there's usually one or two of those four or five that end up being a follow-up conversation where we need to go into more detail. I think one of the reasons people don't enjoy going to meetings is because nothing happens in them. Yes. Like, yeah. Like they're not they're pointless. Like someone yeah. could have emailed me that, or I came and I shared all the stuff and, and, and nothing happened. Yes. My goal is if you have a concern, like someone's going to be there to help you. I don't even like to say help support. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to be there to support and problem solve with you. Like I, I feel one of the ways we can go wrong with those conversations is they come in the table they sit, there are six other people, they share their stuff, they get up and leave and nothing changed because of that meeting. Mm -hmm. Where right. if we're honest about providing the supports, the ideas and having the conversation to meet their needs, I think it's something people start to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I agree. If, it, if they walk away 
with something valuable that's going to support their teaching, that they're going to see a positive impact, then they're more likely to want to participate. And if they, they sit there and get like, you know, items checked off a list, it's, it's not really purposeful. It doesn't impact anything. And they've had, a, teachers have had to sit through a lot of those kinds of meetings. Yep. So, okay, let's, you mentioned at the beginning, you talked a little bit about accountability and you mentioned that idea. How do team members hold each other accountable effectively and what can that look like on a high functioning team? That's like our goal. And then I want you to tell us if you have some ideas about how we can move a more dysfunctional team towards that point of, of holding each other accountable in a way that actually works. Yeah, so it, on a high functioning team, I think that would look like if I was supposed to do something and mm -hmm. I didn't, I would come to the team members and say, hey, I was supposed to print off these data reports or analyze this. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm willing to get to it. That's me holding myself accountable and not only like acknowledging it with myself, but acknowledging it with my team members as well. Mm -hmm. And that, that builds credibility, I feel. It does. Not if it's happening all the time. You don't right. want to be like, the, like, oh, I forgot. To, like, most of the time, we want to carry through with what we're going, what we say. But there's going to be times where it's like, oh yeah, I see. I did note that I was going to do that, and I didn't. I'm sorry, guys. Right. Like, and just move on from there. As far as like a struggling team, mm -hmm. I feel one of one of the biggest things that I've done is like follow up individually. Mm -hmm. So if we like, let's say we're working on implementing a new writing strategy that then we have our team meetings, but then following up with individual teachers too, and just asking like, how did your lesson go today? Or what are you seeing from the kids? Giving them opportunities to essentially start the conversation where if they're struggling with something, they can mm -hmm. state it where it's not with the whole team present yeah, and it's a safe environment. And then it's framed also in a way where, oh, like I didn't know you're struggling with that. Now we can start fixing that or mm -hmm. working on that. Um, the other thing too is like, again, calling out that, that behavior. And I know it's like the well I keep coming back to that healthy conflict, but letting people know like what you say and do matters. And if, if you're not doing what you say you're going to need to do that hurts the team. Yes. And I like the way you initiate it with asking the, the first point you made is you give people the opportunity to take the accountability and say, this is an issue I've ha I'm having. And for them to put it on the table, you're opening the conversation, but they still have to put it out there. And I really like that um, because then that will show you that they are acknowledging that that's an issue. If they don't, <laughs> then that's then that's a different issue, and 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 now you're aware. Okay, they're not even thinking this is a problem. Yep, and, and I mean, all educators want to have do excellent things, mm -hmm. and they we often don't share things because we don't want our peers to see us as, as struggling. Right. Where if we can provide, I call them on and off ramps, where just nice, easy ways for if there's a struggle, they can share it without it being an intimidating or being put on the spot, like we should be looking for those opportunities. And one of the ways to do that is like, just, Hey, how did that lesson go today? Mm -hmm. Like it's when it's just between the coach and the teacher, it's not the whole team. It's a lot more comfortable in that situation to say, I'm really struggling with what we're doing. And I think I need a little more support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lower the, that effective filter by reducing the number of people in the conversation. Yeah, that's great. So what else do coaches need to know? Anything else that you think is essential for coaches to know to support teams effectively? I, I think to summarize, and I think I come back to the conflict well, because it's something that I struggled with and I'm working on really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing like I, I have written down here is like, be okay with healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. If something is happening where we're diluting a product that will help a, the students win, mm -hmm. like that needs to be yeah. addressed. We need to have that conversation. And the earlier we do that, one, it's going to be easier mm -hmm. and, and we're going to keep it on the issue. We're not going to keep end up going to a place where I don't like that person because they said or did this. It's 
I, I just don't know if the idea you're presenting is right. And let's have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And I think the better we get at doing that in the moment, the easier it's going, not easier. It's not, I don't think it'll ever be easy, <laughs> yeah. but I think, I think we realize the benefit from it is worth the uncomfort. Yes. Yes. So being okay with that healthy conflict. And, and like I said, if we can do it in that moment, because I've had times where it's like, I wake up the next day thinking of something. Mm-hmm. And, and one of Jenny's rules, my, my podcast partner is if she wakes up thinking about it the next day, like she has to go talk to that person. That's a good thing. That's a good way. And it, it's great that that's there for her, but at the same time, it's, she has said it, it's always harder to go talk to the person after the fact. It absolutely is. You feel like you're dredging up, you know, dirty business. Yep. And you, yeah. yeah. And, and we tell ourselves these stories like, Oh yeah. Uh, like this person said this because they don't like me or they don't respect me where typically it's just, they didn't, they didn't, maybe they were misunderstood or misspoke, or you simply have a disagreement on an issue, mm-hmm. but that issue isn't each other. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it is. And there's something you can do about it. If you know, sometimes we do, I mean, we, we often say, Oh no, it's not about you whenever this person is upset, but maybe it is. Yep. <laughs> sometimes it is. And sometimes it is something that, that you can reconcile if you know about it. Um, but if you don't know about it and then, then we just end up making like snotty remarks to each other. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, a great example of that I am a terrible note taker, like, <laughs> like the worst, just think, think bad. And then it's like 10 times worse than that. <laughs> and I had a teacher come up and tell me like, it really frustrates me when you say you're going to take the notes and then your notes suck. Oh, wow. And, and Thank you for like, your honesty. <laughs> And this is someone I'm pretty close to. And Uh it's like, well, I'm glad you said that. Like, I don't want you to leave frustrated because my notes are terrible. Uh All that says is like, we can do two things. Like I can try to get better at taking notes Mm -hmm. or are are you comfortable taking the notes? Cause you're really good at that. Mm -hmm. But if she wouldn't have said that, I would have kept trying to take the notes when we met and then she would have kept being frustrated. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, then that becomes a people issue where I'm, I'm really glad mm-hmm. she came and said that, even though it was awkward for about 15 seconds until right. it was like, well, why don't you just take the notes? Like you enjoy doing this. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. that's a good point. That's very true. And it could have, she could have let that just simmer there. And it could have been like, oh, he doesn't even care that he's taking bad notes because then that's what ends up happening is, is they're like, he th- doesn't think it's a big deal. Doesn't he know we, we rely on these notes that I need them to plan my stuff. And, yeah, and, and the so- truth is I just suck at taking notes. Like I don't even, <laughs> like, it's not, I'm not trying to do it on purpose. Like I, it's just like, I take notes for, for what I would need and maybe I don't need as much. Right. (laughs) Yes. I get that. Maybe age will catch up to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You may need a little more down the road. I sometimes find myself needing more. I didn't used to have to have a calendar. And then about eight years ago, I had to have a calendar. And so that's, that was the first step down down that road. Yeah. with, With calendars, like there have been times I have, forgotten to show up at at like a classroom and again it's one of those things like I could just I'm just gonna ignore that happened (laughs) but the right thing to do is to go and say hey I'm sorry I wasn't here Mm -hmm. I know I said I was going to be Mm -hmm. and again it's there's a little bit of conflict in there and it's a little awkward but yeah it's a lot better than just like I'm just gonna forget that happened I'll show up tomorrow right yeah, people appreciate the honesty and they appreciate, I mean, even if they're annoyed with you at the moment, they they would rather that. And they also um, appreciate that you are going to fix it, you know? <laughs> and like you said, if it's it's every time, if you're always not showing up when you should, then maybe you need a different system. But if it's once in a while, yeah, we apologize and we fix it and move on. And I think that's a great way, like that's modeling vulnerability right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. So. so then is that your one idea that you would want coaches to walk away with? Or do you have a different one that if coaches only walk away with one idea from this episode, what would you want it to be? No, I think that would be it. Like brave that healthy conflict. Be yes. okay having that co- difficult conversation. Um, my principal, Dan Butler, has said numerous times, like, you'll never regret having the hard conversation. 
-hmm. but you'll regret not having it. Yes, absolutely. I always regret the things I don't say more than the things I do. And I say a lot of things, (laughs) but I always regret that. (laughs) And I muddle my, I mean, listening to me talk, I mean, I muddle my way through these conversations, but if you're sincere, I think people get it. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's true. You may have a holdout or two, but for the most part, people are going to appreciate that sincerity. And if nothing else, it, like, I love Todd Whitaker. So like, it shifts the monkey. Like, yes. I'm not carrying this around anymore. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's on you now if you want to, like, forgive me for this or not. But I, I, mm-hmm. I took responsibility for my fault. I love it. And I agree. We read that book years ago. I remember that was a big push in our district a while back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that too, because I feel like you need to know that you did what you were supposed to do. And, or anyway, I do. That's my, that's my conscience. I need to know I did what I was supposed to do. And then there's nothing I can do about it. So I don't have to dwell on it anymore. Yep. But if I haven't done what I'm supposed to do, then I can continue to dwell on that for a while and beat myself up and know that I should do something about it. And then after too much time passes, it's just weird. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) So thank you so much for all of this really good information. I think it's going to be really supportive of people as they're working with their teams. And I want them to know how to find you online. So how can people find you online to learn more? Probably the best way is just to go to our website. So Mm -hmm. www.iccpodcast.com. Or if you Google Instructional Coaching Corner, we're the first thing that pops up. Um, You can search that on Facebook as well. We are, we're pretty active there with new episodes and little things we throw out there on Facebook, just that instructional coaching corner. Um, but the website's a big one. That's going to have Jenny and my contact information there as well, as well as like the hundred plus shows we put together as, as well. It's all right there. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you um, joining us today. And uh, even in the midst of a a internet outage and everything, (laughs) we still managed to get it done. So I I appreciate you um, coming back. (laughs) Awesome. Just make sure you cut out that 15 minutes of of dead silence. So (laughs) I appreciate it. I had fun. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Thank you. I I did too. Um, Have a, uh, a great, a great day, the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thanks. All right, coach. So you heard it straight from Greg. Have courage, be brave, and say what needs to be said. And that is going to go a long way in supporting you and working not only with teams of teachers, but with partnerships and with administration, really, and everyone. So I really love that advice. And I'm so thankful that he jumped on today to have that chat with us because I I really believe um, you're going to get some valuable tools from this dialogue today. Our next episode is coming up next week. It is going to be the last episode in season two. That is episode 87. So I want you to jump in um, next week and listen to initiating coaching cycles, how we can get teachers to be excited about coaching cycles (laughs) and how we can get teachers to welcome us into their classrooms and what we can do when they are not welcoming us into their classrooms. So I really want you to listen to that episode because that is something that we are all responsible for. Coaching cycles is our bread and butter and that is a way to make the most most significant impact on individual classrooms. And I'm going to give you the tips on how to get that started next week. Until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.